0: Hi, this is Stephanie from Nua Capital, and in today's episode of our podcast, my partner Sara Aburishi hosts Mahmoud Ibrahim, founder of Homesmart. Now, we've been working with Mahmoud since early days, and we're proud to continue to back Homesmart as the company grows. This episode is a bit different. We've always wanted to dive deeper into Mahmoud's background, his journey as a founder, and and his experience in the space and how he sees the, the industry. Um, HomeSmart defines itself as an online marketplace, connecting consumers with furniture manufacturers and brands. But according to Mahmoud, this definition itself has gradually started to change as HomeSmart has also become more of an enabler for sellers. Now, before we get on with the episode, I wanted to leave you with a bit of a snippet from a previous conversation we've had with Mahmoud where he outlines the thinking behind HomeSmart and why timing was everything. As always, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you've got any feedback, uh, please feel free to reach out.
1: If, if you asked me five, six years back about a furniture market, I'd say it's very hard. And the background coming from in each region, while e-com or digital is progressing, right? The vertical and horizontal of business shape it changes as well. So, if you look at, as an example, the region here in 2010, it was all about like the retail marketplace platforms, like Souq and Jumia at that stage. And then there was a lot of like, like logistics companies that serving this expansion of digitization. And then from the retail e-commerces or the marketplaces, there was a lot of like. Uh, subs happening, like uh, food and FMCGs, a lot of other brands, uh, like, like, like horizontals came out. And the question was, like, when furniture will come out, especially it's an $80 billion industry across the region. Like, it's, it's, it's a big industry, like, no one don't buy furniture, right? It's something that you have to do, like, each baby comes with a furniture set, right? (laughs) So, so, So it came even to me while I was getting married and uh, I'm trying to get furniture, it's a very painful process. There's no place that you can go and find everything in. Right? Um, And and this is where it came to us as like, how can we solve this problem? Because obviously there is uh, a demand, and there's a huge supply, especially in a country like Egypt, where um, like like furniture, it's like a good furniture manufacturing hub in the region. and it was about utilizing this so i think it's uh, i remember the first time i talked to a supplier or a manufacturing officer and he was like uh, he thought i think i'm the owner of the internet and he was like where were you guys from a long time <laughs> and he said something and actually it's a very wise words i still remember it from today and he was like i think you again he phrases like i'm i'm, I'm someone working so it was like you guys took care of drivers you guys took care of phone sellers you guys took care of fashion centers groceries and supermarkets, but no one took care of us. We waited for you for a long time. Like we don't know how to digitize and we were waiting for like someone to come and digitize the space for us. I think this is what we're happy about. We're trying to like organize and regulate a very fragmented market that has a lot of potential.
2: Hi, Mahmoud. How are you?
1: Hey, Sarah. Good, good.
2: Congra- congratulations on the on your series A round on, on raising the 15 million.
1: Yeah, congratulations to both of us. Yeah. Yes.
2: <laughs> Great. So um I wanted to start um discussing a bit about, about your experience specifically. Um, and you've been working with um with you used to work at the Roz. Uh, you were the CEO and co-founder there for four years, and then before that, you uh, was, were also the VP of Operations at uh, Jumia. And I just wanted to know more about your experience before you started HomeSmart, and that and how that uh, translated to to you starting and founding your your own company.
1: Yeah. No. Thanks. Thanks for for this intro. I think. Uh, yeah. If you look at, at, at what is happening at, at back then, like, like before 2010, we were all like young people looking to work in like big corporates. I started my life at like, Cisco Systems, and then out of a sudden, the region started to digitize very fast. At that time, Jumia was expanding in the region. As you said, uh, it was a good opportunity for, for us as well to understand this digital era uh, in a time where like, trial and error was allowed much, much better than th- what is happening today. Uh, mm-hmm. And as you said, like uh, I was VP operational of Jumia and then uh, start to work a bit in Africa seeing different market segments and and, and customer behaviors. Uh, in 2015, uh, decided to take another adventure which is like going to to South Asia, Pakistan, mm-hmm. Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Nepal, Myanmar. Uh, really different customer behaviors, customer segments, uh, like like education perspectives, everything. Uh, we kicked off the RAS, It was it's it's the leading e-com in there, got acquired by Alibaba. And from there the the the, the gene was there that at some point of course I wanted to, to kick off like like my own thing. Yeah. Yeah and after this uh, like like I wanted to see like different customer aspects, different region. That's why we, we went with the like the RAS journey. In, in South Asia, as I said, like different consumer, consumer behaviors, uh, synergies and everything. And it was really early days in digitizing South Asia as well. Uh, mm-hmm. It did very well, got acquired by Alibaba. But again, it wasn't the gene that at some point uh, we need to come back to Middle East and build something like good. Uh, and and when the time is ready for that industry as well, one of the very catchy industries for us uh, at, at that point was, uh, home supplies and home goods furniture uh 80 billion dollar industry you find in in the in three countries like egypt uh, saudi and uae 14 million customer searching for this sector online without having like a, a one-stop shop or a, a clear destination for them online uh, so they, they end up doing the transactions offline uh, very very consumer uh, like, like hassling journey when it comes to, to, to buying furniture, thing as well o- on both sides, right? Uh, supply and demand. So, not sure when was the last time I always say this last time you bought furniture, but it's 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 a hectic, and I always tell you this since, since day one. Uh, because you, you cannot find like this one stop shop that have like like difference in 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 prices, comparability, uh, designs brands uh, when it comes to supply distribution cost is, is very expensive as well like uh, uh, you, you have to spend a lot of money to show your products and home smart was a solution for both uh, again supply and demand uh, and you could see a great traction in the first year right it's like 30 30 time growth in the first year was like phenomenal with very healthy economics
2: but let's just um Come back a bit to the. I think you started talking about um, the performance of Oomsmart. Let's take that a bit uh, later in the conversation. Um, so, so you're 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 talking about the sh- the industry shift and consumer purchasing habit sh- habits shifting. Um, how do, how do you see that compared to a few years ago? Um, when you were at Daraz and and Jumia. So how do you see that shift change and how does it benefit uh, HomeSmart?
1: No, I think if if you look a little bit more developed regions, right, you find it starting with like essentials and down the road, it gets to to more like the convenience part for the customer journey, right? So if you look at what happened in our region, you start with like normal retailers, e-commerce retailers, they really paved the road for everyone. And then you find transportation came in and then logistics came in, uh, in a digitalized way, payments uh, and food. So it, it's happening like, like by time with a specialization on verticals and focus on specific verticals and how to digitize each ecosystem in a separate way. Um, and I think if, if you ask, if we look at ourselves and ask like, was this industry really catchy like 10 years ago, if we decided to kick off, I would say no, right? It's, a, it's about the right time as well. Uh, and, and right time can come, come with, comes with like 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 several aspects. Uh, first aspect: customer readiness, uh, economical situation, political situation, uh, customer behaviors. Uh, and, and we thought this is this is the right time because consumers, as we said, like already educated on a lot of stuff. They start to cover their their main essential vendor. Um, We thought at the beginning we will take time in consumer education on how like again it's an industry that we used for like. A lot of generations, it's, it's a touch and feel, right? And we thought we'll take some time to, to, to teach people uh, or teach the consumers on the value behind the chain. And actually, we were, we were, we were good because consumers really valued more the convenience part uh, behind it. They would rather find a one-stop shop that they find the comparability uh, of prices, brands, cost, consumer, other consumer reviews and everything in one place rather than like rooming around in the like the, their town or the, the sur- surrounding towns for like three, four weeks to find what they're really looking for.
2: I think but, that you're just touching on, on a point on, on Egypt specifically, because the last few years, we've seen um, the Egyptian ecosystem, especially just um, uh, grow at, an, like at, at, a, at a crazy rate. So we're just seeing a lot of growth um a lot of companies starting up and this economy as a whole is shifting and i think that you've started just at this uh, just at the beginning of that shift why do you think that's happening in, in egypt why do you think that um there's like a like a very steep shift uh and a steep growth in the economy
1: yeah so so normally if you, i would call it like a change what is happening and if you look at uh there's two kinds of changes. Uh, the first change is like forced change or regulated change and demanded a change. Forced change would it happen by a regulator, like go online and it's forced it, right? And I think this is a successful story in, in, in a lot of like, like maybe in the US and Europe happened then. I think what is happening in the region is first off, the consumer got exposed to different markets. Globalization played a big part in this. Um, and from there you find the consumers need services and then it was a normal reflection um, on the other side of like innovation and entrepreneurship to come up with those needs for the consumer. So you find like people, they don't want to like like go around like like on shopping malls and this kind of things anymore. So it was like retail, like e-commerce retail, played a big part in this like fashion retail. It's it, again, consumer don't want to rule around, and I think COVID nineteen played a big part to show that it this is the right approach because for almost like six months, everything was shut down. And I think, that again, consumers, or actually this wasn't like regulated or consumer demand, it was forced thing, thing, right, by, by like environmental crisis. Uh, the COVID came in and I think the, the power of digital came into that part. So I think part of this aggressive growth digitally happening in Egypt or actually in the whole region is exposure and the need for essential services. wasn't there before or were not there before that finally we got entrepreneurs that start to uh, introduce it to the market and i think you would find this a thing i think you you as well like like might have like a maybe a maybe a better answer because you see this kind of companies every day when you yeah like 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 evaluate companies for investments you would find that actually we are in a region that it's a lot of Things still like if, if you were discussing some companies in the US or Europe this is basic right you find like tens of companies doing this it's still in our region you find like companies doing basic stuff and they're like the first one to do it in our region
2: yeah I think the economy has also in Egypt specifically stabilized after the devaluation uh, after like the devaluation of the currency a few years ago and I think that that um, stabilized the economy and uh, as and COVID specifically had a major shift uh, for people to start their own companies as they've had more time to think about what they wanted to do. There were a lot of layoffs and and people just transitioned into, into m- m- having the time to think about what they want and um, starting their own businesses. And I think that affected the startup ecosystem um, majorly. Um, do you agree? Do you think that that,
1: that was a
2: main Reason
1: so to agree, this was one of the the, the main reasons. I think that's maybe one thing as well, which is like the benchmark. People back then always told that running a company is a very hard job and like like it wasn't in our gene as well to to kick off like like the entrepreneurship part. wasn't like in in a like in a majority of our gene, right and and by the time you get exposure. And the benchmark is changing, okay, like some other people did it. And I think it's not that hard. Let's try ourselves and get out of the, 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 the risk-free career-wise, right? And, and I think this was a big catalyst to where we are today.
2: Yeah. Now, just to come back to the, the question on your experience, I just want to know what were the learnings for you from, pe- from your previous experiences at, at Daraz and Jumia and Cisco? What did you take from there? That you thought really benefits the company today, um, Homesmart today, and what uh, what do you would you have wanted to avoid, as you came and started your own business?
1: Yeah, no, I think at the beginning, corporate like 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 some people s- sometimes mention corporate like as a as a as a bad thing or not fashion thing anymore, non fashionable. I think corporate teaches you a lot of stuff, right? It teaches you discipline, it teaches you like process mapping, it teaches you like like uh, l- like real operation how to manage the stuff would have become big, right? Or the appropriate institutional infrastructure shape of an of organization. Uh, and then I think was very important thing when it comes to Jumia and the Raz, both of them was like a lack of, of experience. And I think building something something from scratch is good and building it, I think what was good in both of them that we had the leverage and we had the space to do a lot of trial and errors because we were the first one to do what we do in our regions. Uh, so, so the space of trial and error was really good, uh, and and ups and downs, and and you see, like in a country like Egypt, two revolutions came at ten years, and how do you adapt to this kind of stuff? Is it negative on the industry? How do you come with contingency, risk plans, and all this kind of things? In in other markets, like in in, in South Asia, uh, back, like as an example, Alibaba focusing on the market, do you position it as an acquisition or competition? This kind of stuff, this is exactly the things that, that we got to learn uh, from, from, uh, from previous experience. And I think the most important thing is how to build a healthy business, right? When I say we build homes more at the right time, maybe I, I, I should also say that it's the right time for consumer economy, the country dynamics, but also it's the right time for founders as well. After you're seeing a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of ups and downs in other country uh, companies, due diligences, uh, th- this kind of thing. it's really affected our decisions today. So sometimes we sit in one room and 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 there's this kind of decisions that no one knows it's there's no right or wrong, but you come up with a different approach because you've tried this kind of stuff before. So I think this is the adding value on the table, I would say.
2: yeah. And what do you think um, are things that you wanted to avoid as you as you as you started the business, just learning from experiences because you, you worked in different geographies in the world right and and you learned um how to to do everything on on the operation side in in, in places that were uh, difficult uh, logistically uh, but you still managed to move products from china to pakistan um and through Africa as well, so I just want to understand what were the learnings that you would avoid today in in, in at homesmart?
1: Nothing definitely one thing I think it's it's the the fast pace that the company see and how its people and its uh, technology and financial infrastructure and the institutional bath for the organization developed along with it um, so in, in the organization we we work in I think when you work in a startup you always feel like it's a startup mode and at some point it's not a startup anymore it's, it's a big company that worth billions of dollars right uh, and, and sometimes like like people forget about this and they still like laid back in the in the startup mode when it's really affecting your status as a unicorn or something uh, I think this question has always been asked to me like what keeps keeps me awake and, and night is 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 this company is growing very fast uh, and we got to make sure that we're building the right infrastructure for it or the institutional infrastructure for it. So the right financial processes, approval processes inside. Uh, we gotta make sure that we still hear the voice from the, the employees and at the same time in the right like like mechanisms. Not everyone can change anything when he wake up at, at the morning. So we don't kill the innovative part in the innovation part in the people and also. To do it in the right ROI perspective or project management perspective, uh, HR perspective, and how like, people are developing the career path inside the organizations. I think this is one of the most important things in, in the startups, that, or the value that startups allow to it, or tech companies is the career path for people. Like, I was one of the lucky people that I, I really joined, uh, like like Jumia, as an example, at, at the beginning. I didn't have experience in digital, I don't understand anything about this. And in three, four years, I'm managing director, managing like, like hundreds and thousands of people, right? And I wouldn't say that was the smartest ever. I think the, the circumstances allowed me to there and I used it in the right way, I would say. Uh, and I think this is, this is the things that we got to learn from our previous experiences or mainly focus on, which is, of course, the technical experience behind doing stuff. But on the other side, uh, the, the institutional experience on how to build a big company in a healthy way.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that that's, um, that's definitely...
1: Uh... Yeah, as Well, I think it's, it's important because I, I'm sure that you saw it in the companies before when they become like growing very fast and you look at the company infrastructure it's not it's not baked for more growth. Like yeah. a more growth for this might demolish the whole investment in, in this company. And I'm, I'm sure you saw it. Maybe like uh, <laughs> you, you tell us if you saw it before and what was your, your comments on it?
2: yeah yeah so we see that we see that a lot. so the company is just growing too fast for its own good um, and it's just um, sometimes it's internally as well the team is not prepared for such growth uh, but that's always a good problem to have because that means that the demand is there and it's just um, it's just a matter of time that the company will the the infrastructure will get built to 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 be able to support. Uh, the company's growth, so it it all depends on the team and their ability to kind of execute and 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 scale up in the right way. Um, the, I wanted to move a bit towards the the model. So I've in the past few years we've seen a convergence in the in the business models, and especially on marketplaces, e-commerce, um, private label. So I wanted to kind of discuss a bit more about that and how you saw marketplaces change over the past few years, especially since you've started. So um, how do you see the change in in the business model?
1: Yeah, I think one thing helped us a lot since day one, we said there's no handbook for what we do, right? So we're the first people to do what we do today. It was very important that we don't take an international approach of, of another company that, that succeeded and we just say, we replicate this. So we kept it very flexible when it comes to the operating model. And, and we kept again doing trial and errors in a healthy way, I would say. Uh, so I think our operating model is, or actually our, our vision is very simple. We're facilitating an industry between supply and demand by all the definition of digitizing the whole ecosystem. So we always like, like, like we have this code in the company, we hold ourselves accountable for this ecosystem. Uh, whether this will come with like like focusing on on logistics, uh, focusing on financial services, uh, focusing on uh, content management, this is something that we do while the business is running on a day-to-day basis. So in the first year, we understood the the, the gaps between supply and demand, uh, and we saw the the tractions clear traction there. Now we're trying to solve each one of on the services. Uh, while we're speaking right now, this this big BMO with every gap we have and a project owner for each one of them that working on it is like a CEO of that project, right? And we try to solve it. So this comes with operating models. So we don't have just one operating model that we follow. So in our platform, we find like sellers delivering by themselves. We deliver for them. Other sellers that use 3PLs, other sellers that do their own content management because they're good and developed in this. Other sellers, they cannot. So we offer to them in a specific way so we we'll try to make this hybrid model, a localized model to, to the region and this industry to serve our growth in a healthy way.
2: I wanted to ask you um, a bit more about how you see the market for the, in the future. So how, where do you see this in the next five to 10 years? Where do you see this going and how do you see um, the market adapting to the, to the changes we see today?
1: No, I think uh, it's a good one. I think uh, where do I see the market in 10 years? It's very tough. Like the market is like very tough to say. The market has a change of like literally 180 degree in just one year since COVID, right? <laughs> we don't know what will happen in the future. Yeah. What I'm sure of, what I'm, what I'm sure of that the industry that we're in, it's a bit version uh, for digitalization.
2: Not COVID related, just in general, like just as we see the consumer maturing over no, different markets and and, um, and just the markets, the economy is in general digitizing quicker than, uh, than we've seen ever before. How yeah. do you see that? So how do you see it in ten, five to 10 years from today? Um, how would you see HomeSmart changing as well to adapt to this, uh, to this um, fast, fast uh, adoption of, the, of digital?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good one. I think uh, we would break it into two, right? The first one is, is like how you see the market in general developing in, in five, 10 years. I think it would be in a total different place. And I always as well say that whatever happened or took place in, uh, in Europe and the US and developed markets in 30 years, it's happening in our region over the last 10 years, very fast. Uh, and again, there's no barriers, there's no boundaries like it used to be before or shyness of, of, of exploring new opportunities. And, and even you find like like entrepreneurs or, or founders, they start to introduce stuff that were not introduced outside before. So we start to have not just embracing change, but we try to create a change right now, which is good. This is a very good segment of what will happen in the future. In the future, I think we'll see more more founders, more entrepreneur, entrepreneurial ideas, uh, more cash bumping into, into the digital sector. And we can see from from really big institutions that they start to put cash and venture capitals and, and, and digital transformations. It's happening. And I think, again, maybe COVID accelerated things. It's what about to happen, but COVID accelerated stuff much more than we thought. Uh, so I think Again, it's, it's very hard to say which would be exactly, but I think by the science we see from governmental changes and, and directions and the, the, the consumer behavior changes and also the supply, which I've called supplies us uh, as founders and, and entrepreneurs, uh, I, I think all of them combined together, it will change the whole region. So maybe in five, 10 years, you find like Middle East is same or even better than the US or Europe. Do you mean in
2: terms of growth?
1: In terms of growth, exactly. I think it's the matter of fact that it's still untapped till today and there's a lot of opportunities and the consumer part are, are, like, is hungry for change. This might make it much like a very hot market than other markets that were bummed before. So I'm sure like in five to 10 years, Middle East might be a better investment spot than other places in the world. Because again, it changed is happening faster than any place else.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. Like I, the, the because it's we started at a very low stages. The growth is is unbelievable, and um, I agree with that. So that it is, it's it's just um, uh, very impressive to see where we were f- just a couple of years ago and where we are today. Um, and just in terms of how the the business model especially on the marketplaces and e-commerce how consumers adapted uh to uh to starting putting their credit cards online people moving more online moving a bit bit more away from cash i think that's a big thing for the region and and is really representative of the of the consumer shift today um uh, in, in behavior So that's really promising, and and hopefully in five to ten years, we will see this at a much higher rate than it is today. Um, I think that that's what we're both trying to say.
1: (laughs) I totally agree, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, Great, Mahmoud, thanks so much for this. I think that was very... uh, uh, it was it was great talking to you and understanding your experience and how that uh, helped you build Homesmart and helped you uh, formulate your strategy on the operations side.
1: No, thanks a lot. This was a very productive conversation. Um, yeah. I'm sure we're we're both on something big when it comes to Homesmart, and uh, let's do this thing. Like I'm sure we're 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 building a huge thing together.
2: Hopefully we'll have another podcast in the next uh, year or two and see and see the difference from where we are today to to then.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that will be yeah, yeah. Great, great. Thanks a lot, Sarah. Thank, Thank you, Mahmoud.